You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Clark will look for a lane. Loads up. Got there a shot. He scores. Dylan got there with a bomb and a power play. As Shane Wright on the attack. Great move. A shot. He scores. Oh, what a beauty from the Canadian captain. Canada up by two. The wide held. A shot from shallow. Loose puck in front. They score. It's a one-goal hockey game here with plenty of time left. Mara kept it in bouncing puck. They score. We are all tied up here in the third period. He now played up ahead. Dylan Gunther comes in with Wah. Joshua Wah for Gunther in front. He scores! Dylan Gunther edges it in overtime. It's a moment 20 years in the making here on the East Coast. A golden night. A golden night indeed. Gave us a bit of a scare. Ended up having to do it in extra time. But Dylan Gunther played hero for the Canadians and the party. I'm sure it's still going on in Halifax because it's been just incredible atmosphere throughout this tournament. Uh, I'm Mike DeStefano. I've got Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star uh, in here with me today on Leafs Lunch. Julie Tesheri was down there. Last night, she was partying, I'm sure, and she was celebrating. I saw her doing some interviews for Bar Down as well, and uh, she'll be back on the show on Monday. But, boy, what a what a treat. What a game that was last night. The great theater of World Junior Hockey. Just when you think, okay, it looks like this is Canada's game. It's 2 nothing in the third period. You know, they're playing decent. And then the Czechs kind of started to pour on a little bit. They started to get aggressive. Scored one. Scored the tying goal. Nearly even ended it with like 15 seconds left. A big scrum in front of the Canadian net. Luckily, they cleared the puck and went to overtime. And Dylan Gunther uh, playing hero. It was his second of the game. Ended up with uh, player of the game honors as well. But what a tournament, Dave. And it's always best when Canada ends up with gold. It was a great tournament, man. It really was. It was great to get back on track with a holiday time World Junior after we saw the, you know, the pandemic, you know, you know, the pandemic caused summer World Junior that never really uh, caught a lot of our imaginations. It was it was a tremendous tournament, as Bob McKenzie said, and and I'll defer to the Bob father (laughs) on all things historic when it comes to the World Junior. He called it the most competitive World Junior he's ever seen. Wow. And, you know, and I'm certainly the most competitive I've seen. He's seen more than me. And uh, I'll take that. And nice to see Canada. As you said, they supplied the drama that comes with World Junior (laughs) Hockey without the heartbreak that sometimes comes with World Junior Hockey. So that was a great combination. Yeah, and it's the uh, second time in just under five months that they've won a gold. The first time a team has gone back-to-back since Canada did it, you know, over a decade ago. Um, What I found really kind of interesting, though, is clearly, like, Connor Bedard was the catalyst that brought them to the championship, but then the team won the actual gold medal. Like, it was a team performance, because, let's be honest, Bedard was... Not that he wasn't good. He was still very good in the game. And, and even you can go back to the U.S. game, still good, but wasn't dominant. And he was kept mm-hmm. at bay. And that was very much seemed to be a game plan for the opposition. But then the team stepped up. Like last night, Dylan Genther getting a couple of goals. Shane Wright a, had his moment. A monstrous goal there in the second period. 
maybe one of the prettiest goals in, in like that tournament's history. Just the oh. way that he took that puck off the wall, danced through a couple of guys, and then the lift he got on the backhand. It was just amazing, an outstanding goal. It was gorgeous, and uh, yeah, it, it was. I, I just think that it's it's great that you know. Connor Bedard, even last night when he was asked by Kenzie Lalonde post game, you know, you had this great term. He says, I don't want to talk about myself. I, I you know, this mm-hmm. was, this was a team effort and, and very clearly it was once it got down to the final couple of games here. You're right. Shane Wright to me was a great story last night because he was almost an afterthought in this tournament, given the fact that, you know, it had been the Connor Bedard show. It, he really had emerged as not only you know the story of the tournament he he was he was the guy on team canada which is usually supposed to be a murderer's row of draft prospects and 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 top picks and all the rest of it he pretty much engulfed all the oxygen available to this team with his performance and rightly so it wasn't like he was overhyped he was just he was properly hyped al's brother he was incredible <laughs> but for shane wright to actually come out last night and remind everybody why he spent you know the the year leading up to his you know his his uh, moment as the fourth overall pick, as the presumptive number one pick for most of that year. You know, there's a reason why he was the presumptive number one pick for most of the year. That was a beautiful backhanded goal, and I think he played the role of captain with uh, with great class and dignity. You know, at a moment when you know he could have been hanging his head. Let's face it, because yeah. you know this this we used to be this team used to be about him, or it was it was more about him. Uh, than it was about Connor Bedard, but Bedard has overtaken everybody. I thought the entire team reacted well to that, and and that's not always the case in these in these situations, Al's brother. Nope, definitely not. Uh, you had you know Thomas Milich who showed up big in a, in the last couple of games here. Josh Waugh was was incredible these last few games. Logan Stankoven was terrific. So it really turned into uh, a Team Canada victory towards the latter stages of the tournament, uh, as opposed to just the Connor Bedard show, which I think makes it maybe even more sweet as uh, as Team Canada fans. Uh, what wasn't sweet was the the Maple Leafs game last night, though. I mean, Oof. they they took uh, they took a big L last night to the Seattle Kraken, who are in town. A five-one loss, and um, you know, this is back-to-back games now where Toronto's given up five goals against. It's it's becoming eerily similar to you know what we saw happen with the goaltending of roughly one year ago, Dave. It is eerily similar, and it's not. Look, it's not it's not something you can get too alarmed with because. The big picture is these goaltenders have been pretty good, but yep. over these past nine games, since since the blowout win over Anaheim, really, these past nine games since that they just ran the Ducks out of the building uh, in Toronto, it's been ugly. Not only for Matt Murray last night, but for Ilya Sansonov, and it's been ugly again and again and again uh, for each of these guys. If you look at the, the grand scheme of the numbers, I was, brother, they're 32nd out of 32 teams these last nine games in terms of overall save percentage for the team. And, and that's, as you say, that, that gets to be alarming because we saw this move before with yeah. a hot start last year from Jack Campbell uh, and an all-star appearance from Jack Campbell that, that devolved into some of the worst goaltending in the league. Yeah, I'd imagine we'll get into this a little bit more with uh, with our next guest who's on the line. It's Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider. But I do want to start with the good from last night, and that was mm-hmm. Team Canada's uh, gold medal victory last night. What's going on, CJ? Not much, guys. How are you? 
Ah, do pretty yeah, I guess lukewarm, right? You had a, a tough performance on the Maple Leafs, but then directly after they had lost the game, you flip back over to the Canada game and you see them win gold. So that kind of put a smile back on your face if you're a Maple Leaf fan. But what stood out to you most about this year's tournament and the team that they had uh, in this gold medal win? Well, they they danced with uh, with death a little bit. You know, it was not uh, was not a, a route by any stretch. I think some people thought that that team, you know, with some NHL talent and with Connor Bedard, might romp through the tournament, and, and that was certainly not the case. They had to survive the the overtime and the quarterfinal. Um, the semifinal was much closer than the score looked. I thought the U.S. really gave them a strong push and, and could could have won that game, frankly, if Canada didn't get such strong goaltending from Thomas Millich. And then they blew a 2 nothing lead last night but still pulled it out. So, you know, it, it was high on entertainment value. I, I really enjoyed the event. It's nice to see some countries like Slovakia and Czechia, you know, field stronger teams. It was, you know, felt like more of a jump ball tournament. There was a, five or six teams that probably could have won it and, uh, you know, pretty good showing from the crowd in Halifax, too. That stands out just just how much fun it looked oh, like yeah. for those in the building. So, CJ, obviously, in the grand scheme, when we look back at this tournament, uh, you know, we'll remember a lot of things. We'll remember the great crowds in Halifax and, and Moncton, and, and we'll remember the, the winning goal by Gunther. But this is going to be remembered as Connor Bedard's moment, right, where he separated himself from the pack and, and became, you know, what, what uh, Craig Button is listing as, as a generational talent. Uh, to be to be listed uh, among the likes of the McDavid's and the and the Gretzky's of the world through the ages. Um, you had an interesting piece today uh, for the Toronto Star and North Star bets about how you know this this performance is going to have some ripple effects, including <laughs> the way NHL teams conduct themselves from here on out toward the draft lottery. How do you see it? Well, I, I think that you know, look, I don't think anyone was questioning Connor Bedard's standing. In, in this draft class entering the tournament. But when you see him against his peers and, and, you know, in this tournament, he's, he's young, everyone pretty much he's playing against is older and he to dominate to that degree. I do think that it brings into focus, you know, just how important the number one overall pick is, you know, of course the NHL does its part with reducing the draft lottery odds a couple times over the years to the point that even if you finish last this year, you got less, slightly less than a one in five chance of getting that number one pick. But, you know, there's there's probably five or six or seven teams comfortably we could say have zero shot at the playoffs. It's probably even a little bit more than that. Um, and you know, when you look at the bottom of the standings now, you you have Chicago, Anaheim, and Columbus. They're they're on pace for some of the the lowest point totals that we've seen from any team in the last twenty years. And then they're they're there already. And so I, I think that there's going to be a bit of a race towards the bottom here. Of course, there's there's no guarantees you can get them. It's, this isn't the 84 draft where the Penguins just openly tanked. They, you know, demoted a goaltender that the 84 Penguins uh, that was, that went on a winning streak, uh, just because they, they wanted to ensure they could lose and, and ultimately draft Mario Lemieux back in the days where there was no lottery and finishing last meant drafting first. Um, you know, it's, it's not quite the same odds, but I, I do think that we're, we're going to see some activity from teams, maybe a little bit closer to the deadline. To, to weaken their chances in, in the short term, and, and this is this is a pretty big prize that they're they're competing for. Well, I'll give you the top three scores at the tournament in terms of uh, draft eligible sk- eligible skaters at the championships. 
Fantilli had five points. Shala and Leo Carlson both had six points. And uh, next up, Connor Bedard, 23 points as a draft-eligible forward. I mean, it's just incredible stuff. Uh, the, the way he dominated clearly will, will not be forgotten by a lot of Canadians and definitely general managers. Um, Shane Wright, though, CJ, didn't dominate quite as much as maybe people had wanted him to, but did have his big moment last night, did score uh, a, a great goal, um, the second goal of the game on his birthday. I mean, how nice was it for him to have that moment on that on uh you know, the big, the big stage like that. Oh, it was a pretty sick goal. You know, kind of reminds you of, you know, something you might see from Sidney Crosby or something and not the, to compare him that, that I think he'll be that level of player, but the, the way he got that backhand off and came into the offensive zone. You know, I thought that Shane Wright actually had a pretty strong tournament, all things considered. Um, you know, what's going to probably define what he becomes in the NHL is how, how well he can play defensively and, and hold up at both ends of the ice. And, and certainly in this event against his peers, um, you know, I, I think he came through with flying colors there, and and you know, it's 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 probably makes the most sense where he's at development wise that the the Kraken of this morning assigned him back to the Ontario Hockey League, you know, to, to Kingston for the moment, but you know, it's expected he'll be traded by the Frontenacs in the coming days before the OHL trade deadline passes, and and you know, get a chance to compete for you know an OHL title in the Memorial Cup. Uh, and then, you know, we'll probably see him in the NHL next season. But you know, I think it was a good experience for him. You know, a really difficult start to the year where he didn't play much and he was with the Kraken and, you know, was scratched for four and five and six games at a time. But then, you know, went down to the American Hockey League on a conditioning stint and, and you know, got his offensive game going and got to play more. He came back to the NHL and scored a goal and then went to the World Juniors and had a strong showing and won a gold medal on his birthday. I think that, you know, that... The middle part of his year has been better, and I imagine he'll have a lot of fun now in the second half uh, when he lands with an OHL contender and, and can, can play big minutes there. So I'm curious, CJ, as you know, our TSN NHL insider, will you be turning into a TSN OHL insider for the next few days as this you know, trade speculation for Shane Wright kind of continues to grow? I'll probably have to defer to some better, uh, <laughs> better connected in that league, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't know a lot of the general managers there. Um, you know, but but obviously we'll keep tabs on that story. I mean, we'll see what happens with Brant Clark too. It sounds like I would expect the LA Kings to send him back to the OHL, and, yeah. and so uh, you know, there, there's more interest in these players. I think as, as fans more broadly watch the the World Juniors. I mean, Connor Bedard's been ripping it up in, in the WHL all year. You know, they they played a road trip through BC where all the games were sold out. Uh, with him as a visitor, like obviously he's created some excitement in parts of the country, but when you see it on this level, it, it, I think the discussion and the interest goes up even more. So, CJ, let's talk a little Leafs since this is Leafs lunch. Um, a lot of great things uh, about last night's game, especially the first period for the Maple Leafs. They were as good as maybe they've been all year, Sheldon Keefe said, in terms of you know creating chances and, and limiting opposing chances, and yet it's a, it's a, it's a 5-1 loss, and and yet again, goaltending is an issue for the Maple Leafs, CJ. Al's brother and I were just talking about how in the last nine games, since they blew out Anaheim, uh, the last nine games, they've got the 32nd uh, overall team save percentage in the league, 32 of 32. Uh, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov both in major slumps, I would say, or at least, you know, depending on how you want to characterize it, slumps. I mean, five game, four game, respectively. How do you see that? Is is it just a blip, or is this is this going to be a concern for Maple Leafs in the very near future, if not already? I, I think it gets to concern if it continues much further from here. I mean, 
If you step back and look at where they are, big picture, the Leafs are still one of the best teams in shots against. They're actually still the, the fourth best team in goals against per game. Uh, you know, even Matt Murray and Neely Samsonov individually are, are slightly above league average with their save percentages. But we are in that zone because of this, this last almost month long stretch where if this continues, it does get to, to a, a much higher level of concern. I mean, I think almost where you're at now, you're like, okay, well, this, this is about average. This is about probably where things should have been. And what we saw last year from Jack Campbell is that continued on much longer in his case. And yeah. so the Leafs actually had, the, I believe, the worst team percent, save percentage in the second half of last season, which is pretty remarkable given that they had 115 points and still were able to outscore the problem. <laughs> yes. um, you know, I don't think anybody that works for the Leafs at this point wants to see any repeat of that show that, that where they have to be scoring five or six goals a game to, to be winning games. And so, you know, I think we're at kind of, I mean, look, it's still the middle of a long season and, and there's no real doubt about their playoff positioning or anything like that. But, you know, as we look bigger picture, I think that they have to steady the ship quickly here and, and help these guys regain some confidence. Um, because if not, it won't be long before we're talking about what they do at the deadline and do they need a goaltender and all that stuff again. I mean, we're not, we're not far. We're sort of teetering on the edge of that conversation. I'm not sure we're fully there just yet, though. And I think it's because of like the P- PTSD that we suffered from last year, and it's just deja vu. Like This is basically the same timeline where Jack Campbell had an outstanding November, was one of the best goaltenders in the league at the time, was talked about. He was an all-star. He was, he was voted as an all-star based off of those numbers, and then it kind of started to fall off in December and then really um, really hit the skid from January onward was one of the worst save percentages uh, in the NHL. I, that's where I think a lot of people look at this and say, uh-oh, are we going down this road again? Did we overhype the goaltending too early, and then now things are kind of starting to hit the rails? Isn't it, broadly speaking, just like it's just eerie how similar the season the whole year yeah even if you go back to just sort of two weeks struggling out of the gate and everybody's freaking out and everyone's being fired then they go through november where they barely <laughs> lose a game in both seasons you know you mentioned the goaltending being a, a storyline and a positive storyline november december and then falls off the table in january i mean to this point it's they're almost mirror similar seasons also you just look at the standings i mean it it looks really like we're going to see a leafs lightning series uh, again, uh, which is the way last year went, of course. So, I mean, I guess it's up to them to, to try to change the script and not have it be the same thing. I, I, there's no rational way to explain that the seasons would be so similar, but from from 10,000 feet, they are. I think actually, if you dig into the numbers and the performance, I, I actually think there's a case to be made that this year's Leafs team has been a little better than last year's. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely defensively, they've they've made some tangible improvements in terms of what they're giving up. And they've done that through, you know, obviously some challenges with injuries on the blue line, but um, you know, this, this, the, the goaltending thing is, it's definitely, I think we're getting close to high alert. It's not, you know, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet, but this, this can't go on too long with, with five goals against for a period of time in, in the games, because that's just not the way this team wants to be playing to have, have longer term success. No doubt, CJ. So one of the reasons you do point out, CJ, that the season has been maybe arguably a little bit better than the last season is the defensive play, notwithstanding the goaltending of the last nine games. And one of the reasons the defensive play has been so strong is Mark Giordano, obviously. Uh, oldest skater in the league at age 39. He's been uh, an absolute stalwart for the Leafs. But the, the past few games, last night, you know, he was a minus three. First time he was a minus three, I think, since since uh, February of last year. Uh, he just doesn't put up those kinds of games very often. But he has looked 
like he's showing his age a little bit. I don't want to be critical because he's been great this year, but he he's looked a little bit sl- slower afoot these last few games. Is there an argument to be made, CJ, that with Connor Timmons sitting with this depth you've got and you know the injury situation right now at this particular moment, touch wood, uh, in a good spot, uh, is there an argument to be made that you could maybe load manage this guy a little bit? You got a back to back coming up with uh, Detroit and Philly in these next couple of nights. Uh, does it make sense to you to do that, even though it's it's not hockey tradition to do such a thing? It, it makes sense to me. I mean, the, the, all the sports, you know, the best practices tend to bleed into one another over time. And it's, you know, obviously, Dave, I know you're, you're close to the NBA. I mean, it's been so common practice there for, for players. And, it, you know, hockey players, I suppose, are just – it's a different mentality – you know, by and large, they don't they don't like to do it. I mean, Mark Giordano doesn't even skip an optional morning skate. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's old school, kind of the way Jason Spezza was at the end of his career with the Leafs. Just just doesn't like being off the ice. He feels as though he he misses something by not uh, going through those rigors. But you know, I I think that there is a case to be made for it. Um, you know, Sheldon Keefe actually oddly, I just asked him yesterday about how he wanted to manage the D now having you know, some players that, that he would have liked their performances being scratched. And he said he, he was inclined to, to give the current six defensemen a, a run to, to allow them to, to get comfortable. So, it, you know, it doesn't seem, you know, as we head into a back-to-back here with the games tomorrow and Sunday that the Leafs are thinking about it. But but I, I think it's going to happen eventually. I really believe there will be a time where we see, you know, there's just so many back-to-backs. The NHL features a lot of travel. You know, obviously the, the, the way the game is played is difficult on the player's body. I, I think that in time, this will become an accepted practice, but but we're not there yet, and I certainly don't have any reason to believe the Leafs are thinking of of doing that. I mean, unless you know, perhaps we see the the, the play fall off so much. I mean, Giordano. The crazy thing is, he played all those twenty minute games, right? It was eleven or twelve in a row when, when the injuries were there. He was he was doing more than I think anyone could reasonably ask of him at that time, and you know, he's had a, had a fallback since. I mean, maybe there's a, there's a correlation. Uh, in conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider, um, Morgan Riley's been uh, a person of interest for a lot of Leaf fans of late since his return. Been a little bit of a whipping boy since returning to the lineup. I mean, do you feel like it's it's warranted? I know he was caught a couple of times last night, uh, you know, fishing pucks out of the back of the net. But is he just trying to get his legs under him here? Like, what's your thoughts on on Morgan Riley since his return? Well, I think fair criticism is always warranted. I mean, this is this is the nature of the business that the players are in, and you know, I, I understand where that comes from. It, it seems to me almost in a social media age, and it's not just with you know Morgan, but you know, I see it a little bit with Raptors Twitter with Fred Van Vliet. I mean, it, it seems like when things go wrong, it, it really can can go really far the other way, and and that's that's the part I think that I you know, I, it's just not the way my brain works, but. Um, you know, Morgan Riley was out for a, a long period of time. Uh, you know, his obviously the main part of his game, what he's what he's been paid to do, is how he helps the team drive offense. That's been, and it's no mystery to anyone who's been around the Leafs for ten years. I mean, it's it's been consistently what he's here for. Um, and you know, maybe things haven't gone quite his way or the team's way the last little bit. But I mean, everything's interconnected, right? I mean, we're talking about the goaltending. Um, so the, the goaltending has a has a hand in that too. And so I'm I'm less inclined to to maybe be be, be freaking out, but you know the the fans are going to do what they're going to do, and I and I do understand that these things take on a life of their own a little bit, and it does seem like there's a small element of that here, and and probably nothing a few wins won't won't cure overall, uh, but you know 
Morgan Riley, I, I don't I don't see him as a problem on the team. I mean, I think that's that seems to be the way some people are framing it. I, I don't really, I don't, I don't buy that notion myself. Uh, you know, obviously you need different players with different skill sets that do different things, and and I think the Leafs are still fitting those pieces together, and and he's he's still a big part of the the puzzle in my eyes. And let's give him some time to to get back to to being a hundred percent of what he is. So Lee's got Detroit in town uh, tomorrow on the first night of the back-to-back, and they were in the news this week with Jacob Verana hitting and then clearing waivers. Did you get a chance to dig around that at all? I, I was quite surprised to see him clear. I mean, what's what do you think his future is going to be like now with, with Detroit? Well, it wouldn't surprise me at some point maybe to see them move him. Um, you know, by a trade, one thing they can do is retain salary, which is the main reason I believe he wasn't claimed on waivers just so few teams have the cap space to to make that move, um, you know. But but it's not not a great situation. I mean, he spent uh, two months in the player assistance program. Uh, you know, players get discretion in terms of you know the reason they go into that is is kept private for for obvious reasons to allow them to receive treatment they need. But then for him to be put on waivers so soon after being activated, I mean, I think that that's that's a tough spot for him. Uh, I'm with you though. I was I was still surprised he cleared just because he's been such an effective five-on-five goal scorer during his career. He's still 26 years old. His contract, if he's performing to the levels he has, you know, repeatedly in the past, is not unfair or bloated. Uh, but unfortunately, it, it's it's boring because if we ever get into trade talk, it's, it's always the same answer. But it just so few teams have money to, to move players. We've seen very few trades this year. Uh, I still think we'll get some as the deadline approaches, but it's, it's not, not as... The, the, the player movement in the league is kind of frozen right now. And, you know, this... This this underlines it. I know that there's there's other considerations than just his contract and the amount of goals he can score, but this is a pretty good asset that a team could have had for free, and 31 teams passed on him. CJ, it was an interesting uh, dichotomy last night. You had you know people on the edge of their seat watching the World Junior Gold Medal game in which some NHL players were taking place, I might add, and then you had the NHL simultaneously releasing it's a first round of all-stars for the February 4th all-star game. What did you make of the NHL releasing that uh, at that particular moment with the hockey world, uh, or at least part of the hockey world transfixed on uh, something else? Well, and even the release it at seven or eight or nine at night, whatever time those came out, I know they were spaced out. I mean, it's, it's a little strange. I mean, they're, they're looking after their TV partners because, you know, ESPN in the U.S. and Sportsnet up here, you know, were the ones who got to unveil them first. I, I think it's a little weird. I, I find the whole All-Star thing strange, honestly. Like, this league, it, it feels as though they, they needed to, like, fit everyone into a salary cap. Like, some of these teams just look like teams yeah. uh, because, because there's so many stars that, that aren't part of the initial unveiling. Like, I, 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 I can't still put my head around the fact that it's tied to divisions and then each team within the division has to be represented. I mean, just by the nature of that, you're going to leave stars out like Leon Dreisaitl or Austin Matthews. Uh, you know, even David Pasternak having a yeah. great year in Boston, one of the true personalities of the sport. I mean, it, it's crazy to me that these guys aren't part of the initial announcement, and you know, now you're leaving it up to fan votes, and, and you know, who knows how that goes. I, I think that they really need to revisit it as a concept. Like to me, just just bring. 20, you know, 40, whatever it is, 40 of the best skaters in the league. I don't care if there's four Edmonton Oilers there or what have you. Bring the personalities, bring the players that, that fans want to see, and and we'll figure out what the teams look like. Because no one, I can guarantee you, nobody except for those that cashed maybe a check 
can remember which division won the three on three tournament last year. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think that there's like there's no reason to do this by division or conference or country. Like I, I don't know why they don't just bring back the draft. Frankly, I thought that that was Same. a good concept. We got we got a lot of fun young personalities in the league now. Like I, I get that a guy like Connor McDavid isn't likely to want to be a captain for a draft, but why not? You know, Trevor Zegras or or Jack Hughes. I mean. If you see some of the interviews these guys give, they're, they're big personalities, and I think that there's a real opportunity for the league to, to look at that again, and we just have to have more stars in the All-Star game. I don't, I don't care if we have all the bottom teams represented by someone. Well, can we get a defenseman? Like, there's not a yeah, single really. defenseman on either of the Eastern Conference divisions. Like, how can you have an All-Star game and not have a single defenseman representative in those, in those clubs? Well, I guess because you're playing three-on-three, three, you're, you're less concerned about those positions. I mean, what's weird is you don't have a defenseman, but then by the nature of it, you have to have eight goaltenders. Like I, <laughs> I, I say this with respect, but I, I don't see why you need eight goaltenders at the All Star game. I mean, people want to see goals and and you know great plays. Like I, again, I, I I think everyone's trying their best with it, but but we're missing the mark. I mean, the fact that you have three or four of the top ten scores in the league not All Stars in the first wave of announcements, like I, I, that's what I scratch my head at. I mean, there's there's Legitimate superstars, guys who've won individual awards like Pasternak and Dreisaitl or Matthews, uh, and they're not they're not part of it. And what's different too, this is actually a good news for the NHL. Is it seems to me the young guys nowadays actually want to go. Like you know, the, the generation past that Alex Ovechkin's missed multiple you yeah. know games by suspension because he skipped the All Star game. Crosby's barely gone there, but these these new generation of stars actually seems to want to be there, and so. I think that they should create the conditions where we can get as many of them as possible in, in one event. All right, CJ. Well, well, yeah, uh, well I, we got to leave it there, there, Dave. We, we gotta we gotta hit uh, hit a break here, but really appreciate you hopping on as always, and uh, we'll chat again next week, pal. Yeah, next week I'll just do the whole hour. We're just just no breaks, nothing. We'll just Dude, go on anytime you want to do the whole right. hour. You can do it if you want. You can stay on the phone. You can do stay or go with us on the other side. That's uh, totally up to you. No, I'm good, boys. Be well. <laughs> right. We'll chat next week, buddy. There he goes. Chris Johnston, our TSN Hockey Insider. Imagine he's like, yeah, sure, I got nothing going on today. I'll exactly. stick around and do some stay or go. That would have been funny. Mitch Marner, by the way, I don't think we mentioned that yet, uh, was chosen as the Maple Leafs res- representative for the NHL All-Star game. And as of now, I mean, that's the Atlantic Division's number one defenseman. If you yes. ask me, like Mitch, Mitch Marner's got plays the point on the five forward, uh, like, five forward power play. He's as close to a defenseman as he gets. I, I don't know if I'm just like too hockey nerd to be upset about this, but it actually frustrated me when I looked at the Atlantic and the Metro Division teams, and I'm like, there's not one defenseman. You're going to tell no. me that you're going to have an All Star game where a defenseman is not represented. Like, how is that fair to anybody? Like it's, how Rasmus Dahlin is is having an unbelievable season and yeah. he's not getting rewarded for it? No. Come I mean on. CJ CJ put it pretty well and pretty much summarized my thinking on it. Like it's called the All-Star game for a reason. You need stars. It's not about participation. You're not putting 32 guys off 32 teams. Yes. But that's what the NHL wants to do. I don't get it. I I really don't. This is, this is it goes to Al's brother this league has always been averse to promoting its stars. It wants to promote teams. It wants to promote the league in in general. It, it's it's very it's very kind of dicey about promoting stars. And here's another example of it. Yeah. Well, I guess it's the All Star Game is more about getting new fans, not 
pleasing the uh, the current fans is the way that I've always looked at it. Yeah, but that's fair. It's uh, is it, it working? Is what it is. Is it working? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I, I don't know. I would need to maybe if you ask Gary, he would tell you yes. Very. Oh, of course, yeah. Gary thinks it's great. <laughs> Gary Bettman would tell you that it's working. All right, we got to fly. We got stay or go coming up on the other side. We'll dig into last night's Leafs loss to the Seattle Kraken. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out of here. No, you stay here. You got to get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. Should I stay or should I go now? Lease busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie. A piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Uh, welcome back into Lease Lunch. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Festchuk with me of the Toronto Star. And uh, the Leafs coming off a 5-1 loss to the Seattle Kraken last night. And it was really a tale of like two halves or one-third and two-thirds, however you want to put it. Maple Leafs, I thought, uh, got off to a great start. And then obviously it did not end well for them. So why don't we break down this one, get to our stays, and get to our goes. And I guess I'll start because I was, you know, the strong first period was something that I did like, that I did want to stay. I, I thought that Toronto had maybe one of their best periods of uh, of the season. And I think yes. Sheldon Keefe actually had those same sentiments here. If we want to play those comments right now, this was Sheldon Keefe on the first period last night. Maybe as good a start as we've had in, in our good first period as we've had in a long time. Moved the puck extremely well out of our zone. We were in full control of the game uh, both ways, offensively and defensively. I thought we, we handled the neutral zone really well defensively too. But, uh, you know, we generated six odd man rushes in the first period. And that was a lot all through the most part how we moved the puck coming out of our end. And then we just, we didn't get a lot from it. Yeah, you're right, Alice, brother. That was, you know, as good a first period as you could play. And yet, it's 0-0 at the first intermission, which is not yeah. ideal uh, for the Maple Leafs, considering you outshoot the Kraken 9-3. They didn't uh, allow you, a shot until 11 minutes? 11 minutes into was the it game. 11? Okay, yeah. It was okay. one shot attempt, even just one attempt taken in the opening 10 minutes for the Kraken. Yeah. And they didn't get their first shot until about 11 minutes into the, into the hockey game. Um, but he, he, he noted the, the zone exits and entries, which is something that I also noted was really strong mm. in that first period last night and, and throughout the game, really. Then 85% zone exit rate and uh, 55% zone entry rate, which led to a lot of good scoring chances, especially in that first period. But, you know, I thought that it just, the, the second period and the third, things kind of fell apart a little bit defensively. They didn't get good goaltending either. But that first period, if they were able to replicate that, my thoughts are that would have been a, a dub for the Maple Leafs. Look, yeah, and if I'm if I, we're sticking on stays, and we're not going to have a long list of stays after a five-one <laughs> loss uh, to the Seattle Kraken. But if we're sticking on stays, I was brother. I mean, look, it's a good sign at the very least that the the power play has scored now in four straight games. Their yeah. only goal comes uh, on the power play, uh, a, a nice redirection by John Tavares of a uh, a nice point shot. Uh, well-directed point shot from Mitch Marner in the five forward deployment 
that is the bane of every defenseman's existence <laughs> in the uh, in the That's media it. world. So they're not getting power play time. They're not getting all star recognition. Being yes. a defenseman in 2023 must be difficult. Difficult times. It's positionless hockey, and guess what? The forwards are more yeah. skilled. Uh, so yeah, that's a good sign. They're they're five for fourteen in their last four games. Uh, after they did slump a little bit there, they were looking they were looking for an answer. And maybe I mean it wasn't lights out last night. There was some times there where the power play did not look like it was clicking, but they did put one in the net. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You can you can all the process in the world can be great, Al's brother, and it was certainly great in the first period. But as Sheldon Keefe also said. You know, those are the moments where you need a guy to kind of take the game over and, you know, put a stamp on a game and, and say, yeah, here's where we're getting rewarded for our process. They didn't do that in the first period. They didn't do it much of the night. Yeah. Um, I, I also think one positive maybe that's coming out of this 5 forward unit takes a little bit of stress off Morgan Riley because that guy was playing like 25, 26 minutes a night. And mm-hmm. last night he played just over 19 minutes. And maybe if he could be a little bit fresher for playoff time by not having yeah. to play those extra three, four minutes on the playoffs or on the power play every night, maybe that could also benefit his overall game come, uh, come April. So there's another you know, little wrinkle storyline that we can kind of keep track on this five forward power play unit. And, and maybe there's other benefits to, that come with it. Yeah, look, I mean, it's hard to say Morgan Riley's been a problem on the power play because he hasn't. Like they were the they were the no, number one ranked it, power play. Absolutely, with him quarterbacking it last season, and they and they've they've been really good with him quarterbacking it this season in large part. Uh, obviously, the five forward unit is no comment on Morgan Riley. It, it's a improvisation that come, that came out of the fact that Morgan Riley wasn't in the lineup for those fifteen games. But but I'm with you. Like the only caveat to what you're saying, I was brother, and I agree with you. It's nice to keep. It's nice to keep the minutes down to some degree, but what does it do to his confidence? What does it do kind of mentally if he's not part of that PP1? That's the thing I'd be concerned about with Morgan Riley, especially since, look, he hasn't been great in these four games back. If you're trying to restore him, the swagger and the confidence to his game, because you need confidence to play the type of game he plays where there's always that risk-reward management that you've got to you know, kind of engage in. And if you're kind of doubting yourself, and I'm not saying he is or he isn't, but I'm saying if the fact he's not on the power play isn't isn't helping his confidence, else, brother, if I'm Sheldon Keefe, that concerns me. Uh, lastly, before we move on to the goes, I do want to give a quick shout out to Pontus Holmberg, who I thought actually did have a really good game. Uh, was given a couple of extra shifts in the top six later yeah. on in the game as well, so earning that extra that extra time. We've seen that in the past where Keith says, "I want to get him an extra shift because he's been yeah. playing so well." So, coach's nice favorite, to see. yeah, coach's favorite. Hey, can't find a mistake in the tape. I was going to say, when does he ever have a bad game? He he plays good games. That's what he does. He does. He had some really good looks in the first period too. Like I thought he he had a real good solid scoring chance um, in the first period, but uh, Marty Jones was, was pretty solid over there. In the pipes for, was. for uh for the kraken and uh let's get to the goes now from last night and on the other end of the crease uh, that can go the the goaltending struggles here from both of the tendies for the toronto maple leafs matt murray and Ilya samsonov i mean just if we're looking at last night's game in particular they they tie it up at one um on the power play and then a few moments later the following shift you allow a, a really weak goal 
world to Vince Dunn. And to me, that was kind yeah. of a TSN turning point. And you got to have that. Like, y- you talk about how there's just saves that goalies need to make. I mean, that's one. It, it goes off your glove and then just trickles into the net. And it kind of went downhill from there. If you look at the expected numbers, he allowed 3.77 goals allowed above expected last night. Uh, probably Matt Murray's, uh, I would say, maybe his worst game in a Maple Leaf yeah. uniform to this point. Fair assumption for sure. And look, uh, my go is of the similar vein. And it's, it's, uh, let's, let's listen to that clip from Sheldon Keefe about uh, the mistakes they made. We made some big mistakes. You know, the, the, the breakaway is a big mistake. You can't, this game's already 2 1. You can't make that mistake. So that's one that we'd like to have back. But aside from that, I, you know, I, it's a tough game to play when you're constantly pulling the puck out of your net. So I thought that took the life away from us a little bit. But I'm not going to overthink that part of the game because it's just a, it's a funny game there. We didn't do enough offensively to really gain traction and keep ourselves afloat. Yeah, so the big mistakes were the thing that killed him. And obviously there was big goaltending mistakes, some some uh, whiffs from Matt Murray that, that he'd love to have back. But, look, the 3-1 goal is a breakaway. You can't blame the goaltender nope. when McCann gets in there alone. The That's on, on Morgan Riley and, and Mark Giordano, who both got caught on uh, various forms of bad pinches, bad gambles, and had the puck coming the other way, fishing it out of their net. There was Look, there was bad plays all around. Justin Hall made an egregious play. Producer Steph pointed out yeah. uh, that uh, that led to a goal where he you know, could have had it out, could have had it up, could have had it to Geo, could have had a, a nice play. Instead, he kind of weakly puts it up the boards, and it leads to uh, a crack in offense that you don't need. I, I thought the 5-1 goal, you know, uh, you know uh, Matthews is there. But he's not there. You know, he was sort of coming back, but he didn't cover the guy in front of the net and, and the crack and score. So there was, there was blame to be had all around on a night where the Leafs, obviously, the underlying numbers suggest that the Leafs should have had a much better outcome than a 5-1 loss. Yeah, and uh, the last one quickly before we hit break, my, my last go, having Leaf Games rival international gold medal games when Canada is featured. I yeah. did not like having to, uh, you know, to screen it and, 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 you know, not have full attention on either game. I would prefer if, uh, you know, we could schedule things in a way where we could be able to watch both of the games and give them the attention and respect that they both deserve. So that's yeah. uh, another little little go for me. And I gotta go. Like I really believe that watching Mark Giordano play these past handful of games, after watching him play, you know, with Morgan Riley out, where it became the de facto number one, he was so great. uh, He's fallen off a little bit these past few games, and I think it's time to really consider some load management here. You got you got uh, Connor Timmins sitting out when he could be playing. They've got to start let's, looking at a rotation here. Let, let's pick up on this on the other side, actually, because if you do sit out Mark Giordano, it does kind of raise questions as to, okay, how do you deploy things? So why don't we break, you know, kind of walk through that. Uh, so we'll break and we'll, we can come back and we can discuss that uh, briefly on the other side. Uh, coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes or so, we'll get back into last night's World Junior Performance with Gord Miller. He was in the building calling the gold medal game, so he'll join us at 105. Uh, so we'll definitely get into that, and then we'll 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 tell you about the All Stars and and uh, the fan vote, and we'll vote who we believe should get in the All Star game as well. Uh, I'm Mike DeStefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. My bad habits lead to late nights. Nice. 
Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. And for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card, text the keyword LUNCH and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star, filling in for Julia Tesheri. who will be back on Monday. She finally uh, comes back to Toronto after a couple of weeks out east at the World Junior Championships. Um, but just before we went to break, Dave, you, you brought up an interesting theory of maybe trying to uh, to limit Mark Giordano's minutes. Just he's played, you know, maybe a little bit of a slumping over the course of the last couple of games after being stellar for the better part of six weeks there, really mm-hmm. being like a defensive MVP for this team. It, it was incredible. But maybe it's starting to catch up to him, all the minutes that he had played. And I, I agree with you where I look at this weekend and, and it's a back-to-back scenario in a situation. And after coming off last night's game where he was a dash three, didn't play very well, maybe this is a, an opportunity for this club to, to you know give him the night off and, and rest those legs a little bit and, and give a chance to get um, Connor Timmons back into the lineup. Yeah, look, I mean, CJ we, and you and I were breaking that down. And, and the one problem with it, Al's brother, is... How does Mark Giordano feel about it, right? Because as, as CJ pointed out, as I've observed being down, uh, you know, interviewing Giordano a, a few times this year and watching him operate, this is a guy who loves the daily routine, right? He yeah. doesn't like to miss a morning skate, let alone a game. So, so Sheldon Keith's got to tread on that ground delicately, but ultimately, it it's got to be up to the. It's got to be up to the coach. Well, it, it might be. He may not like it, and he may not prefer it, but it might be optimal. For him, yeah, like for to perform at optimal efficiency, maybe taking a, a night off, the second night on back to backs off, might be best case scenario for the team long term, right? Yes. And that like this is a long term goal. The goal is not to win the game on Sunday. The goal is to win the game in April, May, and preferably in June, right? right. And that's when you, why you're making these decisions from a macro perspective as opposed to a micro one. But yes, the other interesting part about this conversation is if you bring Mark Giordano out of the lineup, a left-handed defenseman, mm-hmm. it kind of, like, to bring in Connor Timmons as the other guy who's a right-shot defenseman, you, you kind of have to shuffle up the D-pairs a little bit to do it. Do you you do. Not? Like, So what would that even look like if you it's bring in Timmons and you take out Gio? Like, that, that's where I'm looking at this and I'm saying, man, it, it, it does it make sense to do that? Would it make more sense to maybe bring out uh, like a uh, Hall per- potentially or a Timothy Lilligren potentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it could. It could. I mean, it's an interesting thing. Like deployment wise, I agree with you. Deployment. If you're just taking out this load management concept, forget about forget about Giordano being 39 years old, the oldest skater in the league, and you wanted to preserve him for the playoffs. Take take that argument out of it. If you're just looking for a way to rotate, you know. Connor Timmons into the lineup, then probably Geo is not your choice, right? It's probably it probably is one of the other right-handed guys. It's probably and Justin Hall, you know, he's had his moments where he's been a little shaky at times. Obviously, you can always make a case that that Lily Grin could benefit with a little bit of rest and you know a little bit of thought about his game, even though he hasn't been. It's not punishment. He hasn't been bad, but you know Connor Timmons hasn't been bad either, and he's sitting. So you know you can make the case that those guys make more sense. But for me, if I'm if I'm looking toward the goal of performing in April and May, uh, then it's about preserving what I've got there in March Giordano. And I'm concerned right now, if I'm Sheldon Keefe, that, that the wear and tear is starting to show, and it's only January. How's it going to look in February 
and March yeah. and April, if you don't start preemptively resting him now, what are you in for in a couple of months or three months or four months down the road? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely something to think about for sure if you're Sheldon Keefe. So let's play, let's throw the coach's hat on. And yeah. let's say that you know our sports science people tell us it would be most optimal for Giordano to sit out for one of these games this weekend. Plus it gets an opportunity for Connor Timmons to get himself back into the lineup. How do the pairings look to you? Man, it's, it's, you look, I guess you'll have to, so you got to break up Hole and Giordano, right? So, who, so, I, do I want to mess with Riley Brody? No, because I, I want to stick with Riley Brody in a lot of ways because I'm trying to get Morgan Riley back up to speed, right? Yeah, he does have exactly... to though, like, because then, what you have to break that up? Well, the other then you're going to have one of these righties playing on the left side, which well, I guess isn't not, impossible, not a, but it's, it's happened before. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly happened before. I mean, we certainly have lefties playing on the right side, so why can't a righty play on the left side? I mean, my thing is like. Here's my my second most concern right now, is, brother, is the way Morgan Riley's playing. Yeah. Right. He hasn't. You know. He's. And I'm not condemning him or criticizing him. I know you can certainly find plenty of people who do that on Leafs Twitter. <laughs> but I'm gonna like I'm gonna give this guy some run here. He's been my number one guy for an awfully long time, the longest serving Leaf. Uh, he's acted like a captain, even though he isn't the captain. I'm gonna give him some run. He, he missed 15 games and he's only been back for four. Hasn't looked great at times. Been. You know, been skating back while well, the other team's been out of rush an awful lot, but he's got to get his timing back and get his legs back and his wind back. So, do I want to take him out of an optimal situation with his preferred partner in, in uh, TJ Brody to also serve this master? I wouldn't, but you would. I, I mean, so there's two ways I think you could go about it. So, you could either put Lilligren up there with Morgan Riley, which there's been some familiarity. They've played together a lot over the last couple of seasons. Well, yeah. Um, well, relatively, I guess, a lot. So you could go Riley, Lilligren, Brody Hall, and then Sandine and Timmons. Then you have three lefties and three righties. You have that, that balance that you like. If you want to go your route where you keep Brody and Riley together, I suppose you're looking at Riley, Brody, uh, Sandine, Hall, and then Lilligren and Timmons. You yeah. flip one of Lilligren or Timmons, I guess, on the left side. Yeah, that might not work either. You're right. There's no, there's no easy answer. And I guess if you're not worried about, you know, the the Riley Brody thing. And look, Morgan Riley's played with everybody. He's been, he's been the case of uh, the rotating partner for his yeah. entire career in Toronto. So you're right. He's. It's not like he's going to complain. It's not like he can't play with Timothy Lilligren uh, on his right side. I'm not suggesting anything of the sort. Uh, I'll be interested to see how that looks because you know both of them. Um, you know they have played together, but it, it's not T.J. Brody. And, and Brody was, hey, Brody last night was probably their only defenseman who actually performed to specifications, right? Like he was really good last night. I thought for most of the game. Yeah. So you know, and he's the rock that I think Morgan Riley needs to be, the type of player Morgan Riley can be. But look, there's no easy answer. But I, I don't mind your deployment there. And if you're obsessed with left-right balance. That's certainly the way to go. <laughs> That's me, Mike. Uh, Mike Babcockian of me. Need that lefty-righty balance there to to make it all to make the world go round. Um, all right, maybe we can get back into this conversation uh, at some point here. But uh, coming up on the other side, Gord Miller is going to check in with us. I don't know if he's back now. I, if he got one of the early flights or if he's still out in Halifax. Uh, I guess we'll find out when he joins us uh, on the other side in about five minutes. We'll get back into last night's gold medal win for Team Canada. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Feshuk of the Toronto Star. Second hour of Leafs Lunch coming up next.